Grand Rude Comedy Rascast Talking about important stuff and hopefully making you laugh. And if you don't laugh, well, at least you learned about something important. And if you don't care about that, well, that's on you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grasscast. I am your host, Chris Blackwood, and we are joined today with a new guest co-host, Miss Yasmin el Yasmin is a local D.C. area comedian. She is very funny. You maybe have seen her, I don't know, everywhere. The comedy happens. Yasmin, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining today. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. And uh, you can catch me on NBC on January 20th on the Peacock channel. I'm doing um, comedic storytelling. It's called True Story with Ed Helms and Randall Park. This whole episode is my story. So it's pretty exciting. And it's going to start streaming on the Peacock app on January 20th. So check it out. True Story with Ed Helms and Randall Park. Right. Okay, well, that's awesome. So today we are going to be talking about Afghan refugees, the Afghan refugee crisis, and uh, what can be done here at home in the good old US of A to support refugees that are coming here and have already arrived. I was Uh, a refugee. I don't really like them. You know, they're not really my flavor. Okay. Why not? I married one Mm. as well. So Mm. I feel like I just know them both intimately and as Mm -hmm. myself when I look Mm -hmm. in the mirror. There's a lot to dislike. So what are three things to dislike about Afghan refugees? They're just too incredibly driven. Right. They're doing the most. They make us all look bad. Right. I don't like that. Especially for upper middle class white guys like me. Yeah. You know, who barely ever had to try (laughs) to live a comfortable life. These people are working their asses off. I feel like you and I really see eye to eye on this. did touch on your refugee connection. Could yeah. you maybe elaborate on sure. that for the listeners? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a political asylum seeker here from Libya. I'm half Egyptian, half Libyan. And I married a man from Afghanistan because my life wasn't hard enough. My dad was a part of the Gaddafi regime. <laughs> uh, we're on the right side of history, don't worry. We escaped. Um, my dad was a minister in the government, actually, and he morally opposed him lost everything as a result. And we country hopped to get finally to the United States of America. And my parents took me to a place where it made a lot of sense, Huntsville, Alabama. (laughs) Yes, that is where I'm from, Huntsville. Uh, That's where all the, uh, I don't know if you guys know anything about Huntsville, but there's a space camp. There's that. Huntsville, Alabama was, was, I mean, I'm gonna actually answer the question that's going on in your head right now. I looked like this in Huntsville, Alabama. I uh, recently learned that 1% of my DNA is from North Africa. So we might oh. be dissimilar, right? Right? Oh, we're cousins. It's true. Yeah, basically cousins. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. excuse cool. the fact that you're bald. Th- thank you. I wear a hijab, you can't see it, but there is a lot of lusciousness thank- under here. I would never know that. You would I not. could also wear a hijab and tell you I have a lot of lusciousness. Good point. Man, so, have you thought uh, about it? It might mm, work for you, Chris. I am now. Milk. If anyone sees me wearing a hijab, this is why. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Falafel. Falafel. Don't forget, it's from the Middle East. And so is coffee. And the toothbrush. And universities. And hospitals. And music scales. And algebra. And a bunch of other things that aren't terrorism. Except maybe algebra, if you were to ask me about it in the fifth grade. We are joined here today with 
Merritt Groeschel and Marzia Nazari from SHC Solutions and Hometown Connections. And we're very, very happy to have both of you here today. Merritt, let's start with you. Who are you? What do you do? And what does Solutions and Hometown Connections do? I'm Merritt Groeschel, and I connect people to programs, and I am a problem solver. SHC works with refugee and immigrant families in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and we try to meet everyone's needs and solve problems as they come up. I'm so excited to meet you, Marzia. In a few sentences, can you tell our audience who you are and what does SHC working with them really mean to you? Hello, everyone. I'm Marzia Nazari. I'm from Afghanistan. And I have been living in United States for uh, five years. I was a student in SHC English class and also citizenship class. And I'm now a volunteer with SHC. Well, we're very excited again for both of you to be here today and to start digging in. Merit, for those who may not be as in tune with the refugee crisis, What's recently happened in Afghanistan and how has the situation changed over the past few months? Everything has changed in the last few months. We at SHC had many of our families and our students traveled back to visit their families over the summer for weddings and social events, just for, you know, as you go to visit your family during the summer. And they were taken completely by surprise by everything that happened. We had a lot of families who were stuck in Afghanistan after August, and we did some work to try to help people get back to the United States. And every person who's here in our area, no matter how long they've been here, has relatives, friends, family back in Afghanistan that they're extremely concerned about. So we've been doing a lot of work trying to help where we can, where we never thought we would do anything international. We never wanted to get involved in any kind of like international policy, but Mm -hmm. it's just right at our front door. So I've been trying to address that as much as we can. That's amazing. And how has SHC responded locally, Merritt? So locally, we've been continuing with our programs because as I mentioned, you know, a lot of people, as you can imagine, are under extreme stress. And we felt like it was really important to keep having our programs as they usually are, having a smiling, friendly face to greet people. We've also tried to connect people to legal resources when they need that. We've started having some mental health sessions with the um, refugee mental health coordinator from the state of Maryland just to normalize, you know, everybody's under stress, but, you know, maybe sometimes it's good to also talk to somebody or talk about it out loud. And when we can come together as a group and talk about those things, it's always better. When you see people like you sharing stress from like small day-to-day things to really much more serious and dramatic things, like a lot of the families from Afghanistan are going through. It's important for people that are new to this country to see that there are people in their community and their neighborhood, regular Americans who are really just happy that they're here and want to be their friend. So we just try to continue to do that as well now. Marzia, you came here, what, five years ago. What was it like for you and your family when you first arrived in the U.S.? And how did you come to know SHC? When we came and didn't go to the state, it was December 2016. And me and my husband and with a three months or the son. But I was so scared. I was so depressed because everything was new for me. And also I couldn't speak English very well and I couldn't connect with the community and the people. And I have a lot of problems and I have kids, a baby. 
I have to stay at home and I couldn't go to English class or time English class, but I was three years at home. After two years, I having another baby boy and I have to stay at home with two kids. But uh, I asked my neighbors and my friend, how can I find English class was free and also and the English class have a child care because I couldn't put my children at home. And my parents, she went to a library and she started English class with SSC almost one year or two years before I started. But she introduced SSC class and she told me, you can go to the library and you can pass the test and also registration your name when SSC start the English class. I remember in February 2020, uh, I went to the Grenardin Library. It was next to my home, almost 10 minutes drive or 20 minutes for walking. And I took a test and I passed the test and I started English class with SSD. And I was so happy because I could learn English and now I can speak and I can connect with community. And also I'm so happy. Marzia, I have to say, for someone who just started learning English five years ago, English is very, very impressive. I have two boys as well, and it sounded like something broke in your house, and that feels very familiar. And I feel like yes. I really understand you. Yeah, she's not <laughs> mine. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> with me. <laughs> my my children are only half Afghan. You know, they're only half Afghan, and they're they're trouble. So I don't know. I don't know what full <laughs> Afghan children are doing in your house. My they guess are is so that, naughty. They are yeah, so naughty. So they naughty. Yeah. They're probably they organizing just... a revolution. You know, <laughs> just watch them, Marzia. Watch them closely. You know, we, we understand that you have some personal stories about how you're helping your mom back home um, in Hirat. And um, I just wanted to see kind of what SHC is doing to help you in their small part to assist. I know every uh, woman from Afghanistan they are so young, especially they come in the United States SIV or special visa for immigration. They are so young. They have one or two charts and then they come here. Every refugee have problem. They have no job. They have no money. And they want to find a class was very because they can't pay for a class or book. or And they want to find some where they take care of children. But the SSC is provide everything. I know this is the English class is free for women and also they provide free books. They provide some orientation for every woman came in the United States and they can learn about their culture, about their law, about their mental health, about everything. But SSC also, when they start the English class online, it was good for me because I could learn English with my children. They was always with me and I was so happy I'm home and I can't save the time because if I went to the library or the in-person class, it was almost one or two hours time take, took it off me. But yeah, SSC is provide all of them if I wanted, like the citizenship class helped me now just I apply for citizenship. I hope I can pass the test and I will be a citizen of the United States. <laughs> That's not I'm not even from this country. I'm from this country called the Philippines. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know the Philippines, that's uh, China's Mexico. That's, 
very well known that we are the Mexicans of the sea, you know? We're just an island of sea Mexicans trying to cross that border into that land of opportunity called Hong Kong. We call Asian Wakanda. Marcia, a couple of weeks ago, you called me and you told me about your mother in Herat yeah. and some of your neighbors. And we were talking about how you and your mother are trying to help some people back in Afghanistan. Yeah. Now in my country, there's so bad situation. Taliban came and united in my country and all people have a lot of problem. And the big problem is the people have no job, no work, no money. And uh, I watch some video or I read uh, news about the people. Some people, because they can save their children in life, they have to sell their children for a little money, like $40. And uh, somebody try their girl get married a little girl, like nine years or 10 years old, because they want to save her life. And during the winter, the weather is so cold, they have no shelter, no clothes, no money. But uh, just I cry when, when I watch the video or read the news. But uh, I think about how can help the people in my country, especially Herod. But I, me and Merit and also Kate, we have a meeting and they uh, give advice to me. How can help? They they direct me. You can I can raise the money and I how can I send the money? My mom and my mom and my sister. How can buy some food, clothes or everything for the poor people and describe you to these people? But Marit and Kate give me a good advices and they direct to me because. Almost five years I'm at home and I forget something like how can I use the internet or how can I use the link or how can I make some website or something. But yeah, they help me. How can I help uh, the people in my country? Thank you. Incredible. Very incredible. And it also sounds like my own parents could maybe benefit from some services with learning how to use the internet and uh, transfer a picture from a phone too. Do you do FaceTime training so that my I don't just see the nostrils of my parents? We can help. There, there could be a whole uh, a, a whole class on just that. Putting the phone mm-hmm. in there, it's yeah. it's like in their ear, and I'm like, I'm actually seeing your ear. This is not a phone call. This is this a FaceTime. We actually do t- sort of help people learn how to use Zoom. So I your parents it. would be welcome. Since <laughs> our classes are now on Zoom, they're gonna and- love it if it's for free. Merit, is it free? Ninety nine? Because that's the only thing that free. my parents signed up it's for. It's free. It's Perfect. all free. And we have done classes in local library branches on how to use a computer, but more than 30% of the students that we work with are actually don't have formal schooling. So when you have to create an email address on a keyboard in an alphabet that you don't know, that is impossible. So you can imagine how hard it is for people to access any kind of program when just creating an email address with you know five people in the room to help you takes over an hour it's there's just so many challenges that build up on top of each other uh, also my husband has uh, a friend before the taliban came in my country he went to my country now he is stuck and then the airport had uh, explosion or bombing his daughter passed the gate and 
she is now in with his friend. He is now in United States and his family, mother, father, and older sister, they are on in, in my country. And my husband also and I called them married and married to help this family uh, in the country. And I think they give some uh, email or some, she has some email or something. They access to US Embassy and they can give a visa or some flight and they can come to United States as soon as possible because it's so hard. The youngest daughter is here. She was almost two weeks with me and I take care of her. And now she went to the Philadelphia with Anka. It's, I think some lawyer married introduced for this family and they help. They can easy to process and they can come back soon in the United States. That was a very, like many of the situations, heart-wrenching and complicated because the little girl actually is three years old. Wow. Um, wow. And, and for several days, many days, actually no one in her family knew where she was. Wow. And we were able to contact people um, at different organizations, USAID and the State Department, and they located her. She, she was in Germany and they located her. And then we were eventually able to connect her file to Marzia and her husband. And we got them some legal representation for the family back in Afghanistan. So, and that's just kind of an example of what we try to do. We try to connect things. Mm-hmm. So to, like, we're not necessarily doing all of that, but we're trying to make the right connections. Well, even just creating the opportunities for people to learn English, right? And I know, Chris, I think you were an English as a second language teacher at some point, right? I was for four years, actually. From my experience as an English teacher, one thing that I, I dealt with quite a bit unexpectedly was students using curse words, but using them very well in the English language, which led me to a question, at what point do I tell them it's a bad thing? If they're pronouncing and using the words perfectly, right? <laughs> like I had a student one time whose laptop fell down and she was like, oh shit. And immediately I was like, hey. And then I was like, that's actually really good English. You know what? Well done. I'm walking around monitoring, pretending to monitor the class, but I'm listening for Justice on the other side of the room to catch him slipping, right? Through that, I overhear Justice being a real douchebag to one of the girls that I teach. I'm like, look, Justice, I know this is funny to you, but try to imagine what it would be like to be in her shoes, what you're doing, it's not funny, it's not cool. Justice just obviously dismisses me like he always does. He's like, yeah, whatever, dad. So I say, hey, Justice, me and your mom have decided we're not ready for you to start calling me that yet. (laughs) And the class goes crazy, like, oh, shit! Mr. Khan! It's blowing their minds. They're ripping up their homework. Like, they can't handle it. And that is, to this day, my greatest moment. Not only in my teaching career, but also my comedy career. That was... I fucking destroyed that heckler. Was this part of of your ESL classes, Marzia? And should it be, if it was not? My favorite English class was with Sala, and I was uh, level four. She's so nice, and she, she's a good teacher. Don't you think TV is the best teacher of English? 
yeah. That's where, my, that's where my parents taught me everything I needed to know by not teaching me and just placing me in front of the TV. <laughs> I, I watch TV because I have the kids. My TV is so busy with them. There's actually a course where you can learn English using the show Friends. Oh, I love that. Mm. I, did it, I did it with WWF Wrestling. Every morning at seven in the morning, it was WWF Wrestling. I know how to be American. I'm going to hit someone with a two by four. I'm going to connect. And they're like, please don't hit anyone. I'm like, that's fine. I won't. Just get me on the bus. I get on the bus and uh, I go to kindergarten. There's a girl there. Her name is Teresa. I do what was natural because she was just so cute and sweet. I got on top of the desk and I body slammed her to the floor. She was like, why, Yasmin, why? I was like, I don't know. I can't hear you. Oh, yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by the QAnon Travel Agency. Hate immigrants because they are probably terrorists? Steal our jobs and don't speak good? You're not alone. Join the family of believers with a one-way ticket to somewhere else. Where, you might ask? Well, that's a surprise. But it's free of charge and comes with a can of Goya beans. We'd love to talk to you a little bit about what people think about Afghans. We want to delve into stereotypes that Americans often have of Afghans. Common stereotypes that unfortunately people tend to have about refugees from Afghanistan and Afghans and give you an opportunity to respond to them. Are you ready for this? Here we go, Marzia. These are not our words. These are the words of of other people, of the people. Afghans coming to the country, it can be a dangerous thing because of the affiliation with terrorism. Yeah. Right? It's a scary thing. So many people coming here, probably mostly terrorists, I assume. Yeah. What do you think, Marcia, about that? What do you think about that? What's your response to that? Oh, no, I think all the people live in the uh, Afghan, they are not terrorists, (laughs) but also uh, especially uh, the people coming to the United States, they pass a lot of hard process. And the U.S. Embassy check their, um, uh, sorry, I forget the word, (laughs) the pass and the background check. Background check, background right, check, Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. background check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they passed the interview and medical check and everything. I was almost one year waiting for visa. After one year, I took the visa. But now I'm not sure these people, almost three months come in the United States, if it be terrorists or anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Never know. I don't know. Like I told you, I get most of my education from TV and on TV. Afghanistan's got a lot of terrorists. You yeah, know, that's what know. the TV. Also, another one is that Afghans love war. They just love war. They just are always at war. Do you know any Afghans who like peace? Yes, the people left the city and the people have, have educated and the people have a good culture. They all, they all want the peace. Well, my husband likes to war with me, so I, I would just beg to differ <laughs> I know, with my you. Husband also. <laughs> right? Why are the husbands always at war with us? I think yeah. all men. Me too. All men just- <laughs> you too, Karen? Yeah. This must be universal. 
I, I think yeah. we might need to ask your husband to join the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we might need to interview the husbands just just for you know. Equality. I don't know. You're so, outnumbered, Chris. I am exactly exactly. Just sit down. Let's let's get the men on here. I'm gonna. Let's, I'm at let's get a male you. perspective. So, uh, how about drugs, Marzia? Yeah. Maybe that's another stereotype. Uh, Afghans uh, love drugs. There's lots of drugs in Afghanistan. My country, people don't allow use the drugs. You know, mm. but uh, as also in my religion, they don't allow or let use the drug. But somebody in my country used. We're a Christian nation. Nobody uses mm-hmm. drugs here. Mm-hmm. It's- yes, yes. Thank you for they, saying yeah. that. They hide sure and they that. use the drugs yeah. and uh, somebody yeah. not. My husband okay. never used the drug. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, my it's weird. My husband also never... But maybe yeah. a little bit, maybe he should. Maybe it would stop the warring. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, to ask you about women in your country. Don't you feel like women are just, they don't want to be educated. They're not really educated. I am an educated person. I graduated in uh, law and political science. And uh, oh, I was whoa. a lawyer. Wow. 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 Shut up. Me and you are both lawyers. Did you know that, Marzia? <laughs> We're both lawyers. Yeah. Like, I know sometimes Sarah and Merit and Kate, they... And they encourage me. I continue the law, and I will be a lawyer. And uh, sometimes they told me and encouraged me, "You can uh, will be a vice president like the Kamala yes. Harris." I'm so I love it. I love it. Well, I think I think uh, I think you're trying to prove that wrong. Uh, one one law book at a time. Before the Taliban came, we have a good governor and all people or a girl, especially girl, try to learn more and study it. And they are graduated and it's all university like doctor, engineer, or uh, lawyer, or judge, or everything. But mm. now they are uh, didn't allow go to work. They are so depressed and they are hopeless. And I hope uh, the Taliban go out in my country and the woman and girl can find uh, access their Zoram. Uh, when I was as child, I had a dilemma to finish my university or college. I have another stereotype question, Marzia. Freedom. Afghans don't like it, right? Now it's my country no have freedom because... It's because the, you don't like freedom. You don't want freedom, right? You know, every human being born in the, this world, they want freedom. They have mm-hmm. just freedom. And... I know women, girls, boys, men, they want the freedom and they do anything. I don't know what to say, the mutabakat, but they have to also obey the law and mm-hmm. obey the, in my country, obey the religion and do something and do freedom of speech, freedom of the life or freedom, anything. But before the Taliban came, we have the constitution and we have, all freedom, like speech or practice religion or anything uh, right we have. But now the people don't have any freedom. They have to obey the Taliban law. It's Wait. hard for my people. Is my country now, no is freedom and the people try to run or leave my country or refuge another country. Yeah. What you're telling us, though, if I'm hearing correctly, is that despite that, most Afghans do love freedom and education also. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about mutaba'at, the uh, abiding by the law. You're, that's what yeah. you were saying, right? To, to abide yeah. by the law. 
hairiness. Afghans mm. are very hairy. They're the most hairy. They have the best hair. They also have the best body hair. I could probably weave a carpet with that stuff. Maybe I could fly home with it. What do you yes. think, Marzia? Afghans are the hairiest of all people? What do you think about that? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, not Chris. Not yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yes, the women and the men have a lot of hair. And They're mm-hmm. done. They are handsome. They are handsome. Yeah, and they, they probably keep warm also. You know? I really feel I really feel that Afghan women get happy because they can fall asleep in their men's chest hair because it's really warm. Don't you? <laughs> right? It's just a place to nestle. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like yes. a, it's like a shag carpet. <laughs> that does sound pleasant. So, Marzi, let, let's keep this moving. Uh, we have thrown some Afghan stereotypes at you, but we would like to hear what you have to say about American stereotypes. Maybe you could tell us how your experience in the United States has aligned or not aligned with your perception of how it would be when you were coming here. Before we came into the United States, my husband uh, always told me, America is the opportunity land, is the yeah. opportunity mm-hmm. land. And, mm-hmm. uh, if we make a goal or if we will be a dream, I know is the in United States or America will be true. But uh, do you know when we came here, the agency uh, rent a small apartment for us and they put uh, uh, second hand uh, some furniture, the people donate for the refugee. But uh, I told my husband, I don't want this life. I want to, after four years, you will have a good job and we will be buy a house and we will make a good uh, life for uh, my children and my family. But uh, my husband also, he has a educated person. He, he had two master degrees. One is from my country, Kabul, and one is the India. But he was disappointed and I told him, now I stuck with children at home. Sorry, they are nosy. It's okay. Don't apologize. Don't they apologize. Are adding. They're adding yeah. flavor. Yeah, look at that. He's covered her mouth. But I encourage my husband, please, uh, you can continue your knowledge and your lesson, and you will be take a good job. But after four years, my husband took a good job, but uh, we can find us a new home or house, townhouse. And I know if the people, the United States try good, if they want to make a good life for children or for us, they can. In my country, the people try, try good, make a good future for children and for themselves. But it's hard because here, all people, if you want access something, they can. And but my country, no. We, we can educate it, we can do something but uh, we never access my goal or my a good life. I know some people in my country for 20 years, they try make a good life for their family, but now they live all for party, all the educated and they just refuse in another country. But here, the people have a lot of opportunity. It sounds like you're really bougie, Marzia, and that your ambition has paid off. So that's really good. It is the land of opportunity. I was thinking you were going to say something like, all Americans are fat. 
I thought you were going to say something like mm-hmm. that. Like you had always thought that Americans ate too much McDonald's. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I, I, when I came right? this yeah. area, because before I live in the area, they have a lot of Fiji or immigrants. Now, when we came here, just sometimes I go outside for walking or uh, I uh, watch uh, outside uh, of the venue. I saw just the, they order the pizza, McDonald's, no healthy food, yes. <laughs> they, uh, right. It's so hard. But in my country, people eat good. <laughs> that is true. Today's episode is brought to you by Kids in Cages. Kids in Cages, supporting at-risk youth learning to play baseball in batting cages with nothing to do with what's happened at the U.S.-Mexico border. We understand that we have a branding problem and we're working on it. This segment requires some acting, some role-playing. We are going to role-play. We're going to pretend that we are at a Thanksgiving dinner. Yasmin and myself, we are going to pretend to be the aunt and uncle of both Merit. Merit, we're going to bring you back in here uh, mm-hmm. and Marzia. And uh, we are going to be saying some things that you might disagree with. Uh, <laughs> some things that are based on assumptions about refugees like yourself coming to the United States. And uh, we would like to hear what you have to say to those things. Okay. I'll just add, because as we know, like Thanksgiving is not only a time to have delicious food. It's also a time when you argue with yes. your family. With your racist family, Mary. Yeah. And the thing I love the most about it is that we act like it's a special occasion when people do this literally every night when they <laughs> eat dinner. My mom and my father uh, lend me everywhere, every place when I uh, live with the people I respect to their culture, their religion, everything Mm. they have. So we're going to get into it, okay? So, hey, Marzia and Merit, you two are involved with refugee work, and I just have to say, this is America, and we should be supporting Americans first. Why should we use up all our financial resources to support refugees when there are so many Americans right here in need? Huh? What do you have to say to that? Helping anyone helps everyone because like if we use resources to help anyone in our community, it helps to lift up the whole community. I'll just say that. That sounds really moral. Uh, What about our safety? You ever thought about that? Isn't it dangerous to allow immigrants, mm-hmm. especially Arabs, mm-hmm. into this country? Tell her. Especially Tell her. if they're they're unvetted. Come on, Merritt. Mm-hmm. You're a, a year ago on on January sixth. But anyway, um, mm. so you Almost know, with the January sixth, zing, shots fired, Merritt. My first reaction to January sixth when I saw the images was, uh, white people, you guys need more experience looting. <laughs> I could tell it was your first time, because you guys were stealing dumb shit like pencil sharpeners, erasers. All the minorities like, damn, you ain't take no iPads, no nothing. <laughs> I could tell it was your first time looting. You guys didn't have a game plan. You guys just had NASCAR energy. You guys know what NASCAR energy is? We're gonna go to the Capitol and fuck shit up. Yeah! As Marcia was just saying, there's like an extremely long vetting process. It's very thorough. It's actually more thorough for refugees than it is for any other type of immigrant. There are months and months, years of, and 
several different agencies looking into the background of anyone who enters the country this way. Well, someone's been listening to NPR, sounds like. But, Beltway, yeah, <laughs> sorry. But Merit, okay. So Speaking of belt, I'm going to have to unbuckle mine in a minute. This is too much food here. But <laughs> what about jobs? Okay. How can they even work, first of all, if they don't speak the language? Also, even if they can, do we really want them to take our jobs? So as you know, there's a huge labor shortage right now. And so it's actually great oh. that we have all these people coming in who can take these jobs that nobody else is able to do right now. Touche merit. And people who come into the country as refugees or other types of immigrants, they're as diverse as Americans are. So, you know, many of them are very highly educated. Some of them don't have education and everything in between. So many of them come in with um, excellent skills or they are quick learners and they can learn new skills. And they're really, as Marzi was saying, like eager to be successful and, and work really hard. So are you talking about like violent skills? Yeah. You know, because they're 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 all part of that dangerous like, is, like Islam, Muslim, dangerous mm-hmm. ideologies. Like shooting people at a mall. Islamic, the Islamic, at, exactly. At they're the, the Orange Julius. Exactly. They're the ones doing the business. school shootings and mm-hmm. all those things. And if we accept so many people who don't believe in freedom, mm-hmm. how can we preserve our culture and our democratic values, Merritt? Amen. Again, these, Amen. Are, these are... These are Muslims. Aren't they going to just drain our societies, Merit? I think we covered the freedom argument. I think we covered that Afghans love freedom, right? Aren't they dangerous, Merit? They believe in Islam. You guys ever noticed how Islam is the one true religion? Has anyone ever noticed that? Isn't that weird? Um, Well, it's true. Like, Muslims haven't changed their fashion sense in a thousand years. They still dress like Jesus did, which is ironic as fuck uh, at this point. But it's religion. We're not used to religion anymore. Like, like that's why Muslims are so crazy to us. Because Muslims, we actually follow our religion religiously. <laughs> Americans don't know what that's like anymore, right? And that's why I, I say Islam's the one true religion. Not because it's necessarily true. It's not what I believe. I'm just saying it's the only religion left that people still believe in passionately. Like, Muslims actually read the Quran and actually follow the Quran. Like, Muslims read the Quran like it's the Bible. <laughs> and Christians read the Bible like it's a software agreement, right? There's slip to the back. I agree. I'm not reading all this. Okay, well, well how about this? Uh, refugees can't vote. So why are we taking them in if not... Their vote isn't even going to count. How are they really contributing to our society? You want their vote to count? Like you in character want their vote to count? That seems odd. (laughs) What do you mean in character? This is who I am as a person. Uh, No, I'm just I'm just rattling off some Tucker Carlson talking points. Refugees like anyone else, they they vote in a diverse way. They don't necessarily vote in one way. They're just like other Americans where they may vote in many different ways. So yeah, well, I, when they become American, American, when they when they become American, that's right. My dad is a uh, Muslim Republican. <laughs> Casually, he mentions to me that he's getting a gun. I was like, why, dad? 68 years old. Why now? First time in your life. You're getting a gun. My dad tells me very confidently. He goes, well, son, once Trump wins the reelection and BLM protesters storm my neighborhood 
in these suburbs of Texas. I want to be able to protect me and my wife. I was like, all right, Dad, uh, where do I begin? Um, let's start here. Look, Dad, I get that you choose to be Republican. You can do that. But that doesn't change the fact that you are not white, okay? This fantasy you believe in actually does not apply to you. Like, in this made-up world you believe in, BLM protesters are going to storm your neighborhood in the suburbs of Texas. They're going to kick down your door. They're going to see your dark brown Pakistani ass. They're going to move on next door to your white neighbors who don't like you, by the way, Dad. Figure that out, too. Like, Dad, this fantasy does not apply to you. Like, understand, Dad, you're not watching Fox News. You are eavesdropping on Fox News. Tucker Carlton's not talking to you, Dad. Put down the remote. He does not like you. My dad is going to show up to one of these BLM counter-protests like with his homies, and he's going to get murked by his own comrades. And then we're going to have to protest for him, just like justice for us, or I guess. You, you have any more questions, Yasmin? I want to just tell Merritt, again, she just did not answer my question about Muslims not liking democracy. Isn't that... That's what I see on TV, Merritt. They have a dangerous ideology is what you're yeah. getting at. Dangerous yeah. ideology. Aren't they just yeah, going to drain our societies, teach our children to, to think like they do and not like freedom, democracy? Not like, not like freedom fries. Yeah, I mean, you know, you should always believe everything that you see on TV because mm. where else are you going to get your information? So that doesn't sound genuine. That, well, you know, that mm. feels right, but it feels like you're a... You're a wolf in sheep's clothing there. Thank Eric. you. Thank you for saying that for me. Okay. Well, you know what? We're we're related, so we're going to try and be civil here and just keep on eating this delicious Thanksgiving meal. So thank you so much for engaging in this conversation. I get the hell have, out of our house. Get the hell get out of our out, house. Now get the hell out of here. I'm sort of offended. Take your NPR you somewhere else. I'm sort of I'm offended, offended by, by your southern accent. Oh, Are, well. Yeah. Are, are we I'm are we Alabama. not acting anymore? Is that what this means, <laughs> Barrett? Are you saying you that everyone in that in that character role must okay. be southern? The fourth wall southern? is up. The fourth wall is up. <laughs> Merritt has demanded that the wall. Yeah, be are up. you are, uh, are you saying all Afghans love freedom? Because I don't believe. Uh, no, I'm not. We're not saying that we're acting. We're acting. This is just okay. it's bad acting. I didn't say it was just terrible be good acting. acting, Merritt. It's, um, it's uh, this is not my comfort zone, but so I fine. hope it's okay. Like we're the ones, we're the you we're the ones who it. had to do the accent. You did a great you job. You killed it, Merritt. You killed it. Yourself. Yes, and, and frankly, I am a little embarrassed because uh, my family's from the south, so I should be better. Oh, at that. it's mine. Um, yeah, really? yours too. Okay. Where where are they from, Merritt? Um, from Georgia. Oh, nice. The south, south. Mine's from North oh. Carolina, so still. Uh, um, I live in Alabama. I went to Emory. I went to Emory, Merritt. Oh, okay. love that. Northern, a Northern college. Yes, exactly. I think we might be arriving at our final question. Merritt, what is one thing that our listeners can do to get involved, to help, to give back? What would you say? Something concrete that they could maybe even do today? Well, I'll say you can go to shconnections.org and um, click on the volunteer button so you can volunteer for SHC. There's also a very lovely donate button that you could click on there as well. We've been talking about Afghanistan and in the last four months, we've had about 120,000 people come into this country who all need 
to have a community supporting them. There's a lot of people that need friendship as well as other things. And we would love to connect volunteers to families that are new in our area. Fantastic. So people can donate and they can volunteer. Great. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you for for everything that SHC does and for also being patient with how terrible this was. Thank you, Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Marzia, for all your time. And Marzia is now in, you guys can't see it because you're listening. She's in the hallway to avoid her children. I believe they are locked in one of those rooms and she's just in the hallway, just trying (laughs) to survive this podcast. That is above and beyond what we That's why she's ambitious and that's why she's- on top of things, my friend. Yeah. The touch that Marzia adds is that she is providing us the human context of what this really means to leave your country and to restart your life and mm-hmm. how full of hope Marzia is and how full of giving and generosity she has to help other people in these circumstances, whether it be a lost three-year-old or her own mother or the people in her town. She has not forgotten about where she comes from and that is it's just so beautiful to see that and her spirit mm-hmm. this resiliency and it's just such an honor to speak with you and marzia i just wish you increased success zindabashi mandarabashi don't get tired keep going girl and i'm saying this in farsi i'm telling her may you have be full of life may you not be in in any kind of exhaustion may you continue on your path within god's grace and protection you know that's what we want for you and like i said merit you know all the things that you touched upon really show the 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 beautiful generosity of your spirit and that you really care about this you really care about this population and you see the goodness in them and you want nothing but good so i really hope that the entire universe rewards you only with good for the amazing work that you do and i really hope that people support what you do because it is changing not just Marzia's life. You're changing the entire generation behind Marzia. You are affecting her children. You are affecting their children. This kind of work is not just life-saving, it's generationally transformative. So thank you. As Marzia said, like most of the women that are coming to our classes are moms. And just being a mom alone can become very isolating. If you're a new mom and you have little kids at home, that can be isolating if you are American and you've never left your own town before. But if you're coming to a new country and you're leaving all of your extended family behind, like people who maybe you lived with and saw every day, and then on top of that, you're also a new mom, it's extremely isolating and and difficult and stressful and it can lead to depression. So that was one of the other reasons why we started our program where as Marzia said, it's we welcome the children and with the moms, so that we can see everyone and everyone can see each other. Everyone can be mentally healthy <laughs> together. Yeah, spread joy in, yeah. in caring for one another. We do have a lot of volunteers who volunteer as tutors for our adult English learners. And as I mentioned, more than 30% of our adult learners are, they've never attended formal school before. So one of our tutors was working with her student. They had an interpreter helping them. And the student told her through the interpreter that it was the first time she had ever held a pencil in her hand. I just think for an American, that's just unimaginable. And this woman was so proud at age 45, mother of nine, that it was now like her turn 
to have that pencil and the paper. And it was her turn to learn and be supported. And those are the kind of things that keep us going. We're not trying to like get everybody at a 90 percentile of English fluency. We're trying to like support people where they are and make them feel confident in their English learning journey. So beautiful. And I hope that the listeners help you put as many pencils in as many new hands as possible Mm -hmm. so that they can feel like they have an opportunity and they have a chance at something better. Yeah, I love the SST family because they are so kindness. They help their women, the kids. And when I decided to go to the library, so I'm scared because I know in my country they have a difficult role for students. But I think when I go to the English class, I will have to obey the hard law and I will feel lonely. But when I participate in the class, I find the teacher, all the staff, married and the kids, they are so lovely people. And I hope all American people help this organization and they can't help the Afghan people or any migrants, no special Afghan. Any migrants need help and they need Alan. I'm so appreciate them. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's our show, everybody. Thanks again to Yasmin Elhadi for being my co-host today and Merrick Groschel from Solutions and Hometown Connections. Also, a very special thanks to Marzia Nazari for sharing her real-life Afghan experience in a language that she has only been speaking for five years. Today's episode featured comedy clips from Grassroots Comedy's live shows. Comedians you heard include Yasmin Elhadi, Christian Nascato, and Jafar Khan. Also, a big thank you to our sound engineer, Emery, for your skills and your patience as always. Exciting things are happening with Grassroots Comedy DC. In case you haven't heard, we turned five years old last month. Since our first show in January 2017, we've produced 70 live comedy shows and with them raised nearly $40,000 for causes in a time of need. With this milestone comes another turning point. We are in the final stages of becoming a nonprofit organization so we can grow, host more shows, expand to other cities, produce more funny content to educate and engage on important causes and expand community involvement in the movement to make humans laugh while improving humanity. To celebrate all this, we are holding our fifth anniversary comedy show on February 16th at our biggest venue yet, Union Stage DC. Get tickets right now and save $10 with a discount code GCDCFRIENDS. For more information, go to our website, grassrootscomedy.com. You can also check us out on Instagram, Grassroots Comedy DC, Twitter, Grassroots Funny, or Facebook, Grassroots Comedy DC. Until next time, this has been the Grasscast.